when um, when I was told I was going to have to do a six mile hike one day and an eight mile hike the next day, <laughs> I thought to myself, absolutely not. There is just no way that I can I can physically do this, let alone psychologically be able to do that, to, to, to be able to do it. And so because I had had these experiences, I knew in my head that there was just no way that I was going to be able to do it. And that's what I had told myself. Hi, this is Richard. In this episode of ALF's The Dialogue podcast, host and ALF Silicon Valley CEO, Suzanne St. John Crane, is joined by Karen Taylor and Eureka Day. Both are members of Class 42, the current fellows class, now in the final months of their year-long fellows program journey. Karen and Eureka discuss their experience going into the fellows program and reflect on the fears, apprehensions, and ultimate takeaways from their week-long wilderness trip, a central part of the annual fellows program experience. Welcome to the dialogue. Well, it is an absolute pleasure to be with two Class 42 fellows today, Eureka Day and Karen Taylor. Welcome, ladies. It's just great to see your your faces and to to be in conversation with you. Thank Thank you, you, Suzanne. Karen, let me start with you. I, I love just asking this kind of big generic question of who are you and what brings you joy? Great question. So who am I? Um, I am an African-American woman. Um, I'm a native of California. I'm a mother. Um, I'm a chief diversity officer. I'm a lover of wine and food and sports. Um, And I'm passionate about, you know, really the development of young minds. So if you were going to, you know, kind of ask me what really, really kind of brings me joy, it would be working with working with young people. In addition to that, um, having a wonderful family. Right. So if I think about, you know, the the things that uh, make me who I am, it is hugely um, impacted by uh, my my two adult daughters, you know, nieces, nephews, my dad, you know, my mom passed away last year. But yeah, that's kind of who I am. Family. Love it. Thank you. Eureka, who are you and what brings you joy? Uh, Besides being a professional, I'm very passionate. I stand behind the least of them. Um, I have a calling to work with the least of them and have a great respect for life and life of those who um, are in the justice field as well as, you know, injustices. And so I try to give voice to the voiceless. I'm very principled. I'm passionate. I have a lot of integrity, but I love laughter and I love that kind of gut laughter and that dry humor. I'm very curious and I love to mentor. I mentor and sponsor in spaces and places where folks may not reach. And so I love to mentor. But what brings me joy, you know, as a Black woman, it's taken a lifetime to qualify uh, joy and find the naming of joy. I think many women of color uh, tend to have uh, some trauma around um, joy and how we find joy in place and space. Um, But for me, joy um, recently, especially with all that's going on in the world, has just become those simple things like, you know, burning candles and incense and listening to gospel music and singing and writing and, you know, just being hands on with, you know, the people that I love and cooking and going to the farmer's market. I love to cook. I cook love meals. And so cooking from scratch and um, writing. 
And so those are the simple things that bring me joy right now. <laughs> oh, thank you, ladies. Thank you for sharing that. I have to say that both of you, I mean, really inspired me and I think inspired your classmates uh, when we were on our wilderness trip, which for those that aren't familiar with ALF, we take a six-day deep dive into the high Sierras, unplugged and sort of awakening to whatever nature uh, has in store for us and, and calls on us to get in touch with the natural world as a a way to heal, a way to discover parts of ourselves that we we didn't know or had forgotten about. And it's really been a part of the ALF curriculum for, for 40 years. When Joseph Jaworski started this organization, he, he said, this has got to be a piece of it is getting back outside. And, um, you know, that's not always everyone's happy place, right? <laughs> not everyone shows up uh, to that environment comfortable and ready to sleep in a tent. Uh, there's there's certainly a, a mixed bag in terms of how folks uh, react to to the journey. We all have different kinds of comfort levels out there. And our summit, we talk about the summit in ALF, like reaching the top of the mountain. Everybody's mountain's a little different, right? Sometimes it's the Sierra Buttes and it's getting to the top and touching the light tower. And and sometimes it is, um, it's being able to say things out loud that you haven't said before, being silent you know, on the, on the last night of our, our retreat, our solo night. So, you know, I just, I found how you both showed up in the space and what you leaned into incredibly inspiring. And so I'm, I'm grateful that you, you agreed to, to tell part of your story, whatever you're open to sharing. And I, I want to start by, by asking you, Karen, I mean, I think it's fair to say that you were a little reticent about this wilderness experience, right? And this this part of your ALF year. Can you tell us why? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was probably the most vocal about not wanting to do this trip. I mean, I think I probably said to just about everybody, this is going to be the most horrible experience of my life. Oh, and wow. so, you know, and so this is this is really a great a great question as I as I reflect, but what what was probably most impactful for me just in thinking about and thinking about why I was so reticent about the trip was really fear. If I were to unpack every single thing, it was mostly fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the fact that I didn't know whether or not I'd be able to accomplish what I thought was so insurmountable. I just kept thinking, gosh, there's no way I don't enjoy hiking. I don't enjoy overexerting myself. You know, I don't like, you know, snakes and bears and <laughs> You know, camping in the cold weather and bees and all those things that all those stories that I had made up in my mind about what this trip was going to be about. I was absolutely fearful of um, even just taking the first step of being able to do uh, this 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 wilderness experience. And so for me, it was really about the fear, but the fear that I had really um, made up in my own mind. And that's what I discovered is a part of this whole experience. I love that. Now, I appreciate you sharing that. Fear is the four-letter word. So how about you, Eureka? What was... Why were you reticent about about this experience? How did you feel before going? My biggest concern was I'm not going to be able to do this. And, um, you know, typically for me and my 
in the way I sort of show up. I I very rarely depend on other folks, <laughs> especially depending on other folks to help through something. And so I felt mm-hmm. um, that I had to pull on reserve that I probably didn't have anymore. I had to sort of physically, you know, be in this kind of physical shape in order to climb this mountain and get to the summit that I haven't done in a long, long time, physically done those type of things. And so I think for me, it was just my body I didn't trust that I could do it, and my body wasn't showing up uh, simply because of age and all different kind of things. Well, it feels like, too, what I'm hearing from both of you, and I can certainly relate to this, is when we don't have absolute control over a situation, right? There you go. <laughs> right? Because so much of our silos are what we do day to day, right? It's like we've got we've got some control, right? We can dictate, we can schedule, we can you know delegate, and this was wide open, and that's that's a little scary, right? Yeah, it's wide open. Like Karen said, the unknown. And and it is a true fact that, you know, being in control has a, a lot of confidence. And when you have to relinquish over control and give it up and not know um, where you fit in and how you can take the reins, I think that was very difficult for me. Yeah, I would I would definitely say the the fear of not just the unknown, but the fear of my connection to nature and my connect my connection to what I thought this experience was going to be. Really, the physical part is the part that I was most fearful about. But then when I thought about the the mental part of what it was going to take for me to overcome my fear, that played a lot for me. That played uh, that played out a lot for me as I thought about about, you know, what I eventually accomplished as a part of this trip. Eureka, what was your what was your relationship with nature like as a kid? And how's that changed over the years? Yeah. And I think, you know, that was some of my reserve that I pulled on. I mean, my experience with nature, it was just um, it was in awe. You know, I come from a military family, traveled all over the country, lived in interesting places. My father was stationed in Guam and Germany and Japan, and but it was Alaska uh, where I just really um, became hands-on with nature and really experienced um, this awareness and appreciation of, for the wonders of the world. If you ever lived in Alaska when it was barely a state, uh, but very unincorporated. And so I lived in the thick of the land and I lived off the land. Um, and we lived off of caribou meat. I played in the woods. We skied and snowmobiled and toboggan and hiked and camped wow. and deep sea fishing. I used to catch salmon as he spawned upstream. And that's how we ate. Um, I was chased by moose, tracked by bears. And it was just, that's all you did. I mean, you played and you lived outside in the nature. So those were the things I remembered. And that's what really I pulled on as reserve uh, going through this hiking experience with ALF. And you were nervous, really. <laughs> Love I was this. nervous. <laughs> After all as that. As a kid, you're carefree. As a kid, yeah. you have no woes. You're carefree as a kid. Um, yeah. But this was a different place in time, uh, and of course, forty years ago. So, and Karen, how about you? What was your? Do you have? Do you have those sorts of memories? Were you ever chased by a bear? Just kidding. I don't think you were, right? 
<laughs> Not only was I never chased by a bear, I've never been to Alaska. And unlike Eureka, um, I never had an opportunity to live off the land. You know, I grew up in California in San Jose, Santa Clara. And so there were these orchards all around when I grew up in this area. And so I remembered always playing outside, but I didn't have that connection um, to nature, honestly. Like I was more so connected to um, organized sports and things like that, as opposed to just going on walks, you know, kind of amongst the trees as an, as an example. As a matter of fact, one of the things, Suzanne, that um, really resonated with me that I was so unaware of was the whisper of trees mm -hmm. that I had never paused to listen to. And so there was, there were several times on the wilderness experience where I remembered just sitting with myself and listening to the whispers and the swish of the trees and realizing how much I had never heard those sounds before. And so, you know, I didn't have that, that, um, that relationship with nature. As a matter of fact, I actually think I was afraid of nature growing up, right? Because wow. I didn't, it wasn't a familiar space for me other than just being outside playing with my siblings. And so um, for me, this, this connection, I had just never made. And so um, uh, wilderness brought about a whole other experience for me personally. about the physical and the psychological challenge you mentioned it both of you have mentioned this just that that the challenge of hiking and climbing and you know was it was it all in your head you know that that experience that was holding you back and what made you lean in to to that Karen why don't we start with you you know, for me, I don't think it was all in my head. I actually have had several experiences <laughs> hiking before. And that was one of the reasons why I think I was so fearful is because I didn't have positive experiences hiking. Every time I, every time I hiked, I felt it would be like, it was just so overexerting to my body. Um, and what I realized is that I was always trying to hike and keep up with my friends and go with their pace. And so for me, it was a miserable, miserable experience. I just remembered always going <laughs> up these hills, just thinking to myself, there is absolutely no way that I want to be doing this. And so the physical aspect of it, when um, when I was told I was going to have to do a six mile hike one day and an eight mile hike the next day. <laughs> I thought to myself, absolutely not. There is just no way that I can I can physically do this, let alone psychologically be able to do that, to, to, to be able to do it. And so because I had had these experiences, I knew in my head that there was just no way that I was going to be able to do it. And that's what I had told myself. 
But when it comes to like what eventually made me lean in, it was um, it was an experience. You know, for me, one of the things that wilderness did was completely took me out of my comfort zone. The loss of technology, the quietness, the discomfort of being in nature, um, the not knowing how to set up a tent is an example. All of those things were worries for me. And the night before our first hike, uh, Jimmy, one of our one of my classmates, sat down with me. And he said, you know, because at that point in time, and I'd even talked to you, Suzanne, I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this. Like, there's no way I'm not going to do it. And so Jimmy sat down with me and he said, Karen, he asked me one question. He said, how are you feeling about the hike and what are your fears? And I just let him know, like everything that I was fearful of being left by myself, being the last one, not being able to do it physically. Um, And so Jimmy played an instrumental part in really helping me to reframe the experience that I thought I was going to have. But it wasn't until about four o'clock in the morning that I realized that I had overcome something super significant. And I remembered going to the bathroom, coming back to my room, putting my covers over my head and silently bawling. And I mean, bawling because what I realized is that um, I was no longer afraid of this hike. I was no longer afraid to take that first step. I was no longer telling myself the stories in my head that had made me so fearful of actually wanting to take that first step. And so that interaction, as well as that team that rid me of my fears of being alone, you know, being the last one, um, all of those fears had been taken away. And so um, for me, it was just so... Um, it was a transformational experience that I had in reference to getting rid of the fear, but also knowing that I could conquer things that I had never thought I could conquer in my life before. And so um, wilderness for me was just a profound experience um, that, frankly, I will never forget. Eureka, how about you? I mean, what made you lean in? Did you have any of those kind of fears that, that Karen had or was it different for you? I had some psychological blocks, I think. And my biggest one was, again, feeling lost. And I really felt lost. And on the outside looking in, I felt that, you know, we were amongst a group of folks that had a lot of experience and hikers in real life and doing this all the time and out in the wilderness and, you know, all of those kind of joys where it, it, it had become foreign to me to be out like that and open, you know, in this space where, you know, I had to be a part of, you know, uh, the fat of the land, the wilderness, um, you know, and just open to all of the, you know, the vulnerabilities of being out in open space and not having all of the, you know, amenities that you normally have and, and have come to depend on um, and not having those and so and trying to figure out how am I going to do this and you know feeling lonely and feeling like you know I'm on the outside looking in and feeling like I was hanging on for dear life mm-hmm. and when I'm saying hanging on for dear life not only trying to keep up with everyone but just trying to you know figure out from day to day moment to moment you know how am I going to um, you know get up and go through 24 more hours of this and um, but the quiet and I think what what I really the psychological piece for me that was settling was just the quiet and being able to sleep and being able to relax and being disconnected, like from all of the hustle and bustle and, you know, congestion of the world and technology and all of those type of things. But I think that uh, part of it was just the weight of, you know, letting go. 
And uh, that, you know, and that's slowly, you can feel that lifting the more, you know, the more gays and the more uh, folks that sort of wrapped around you. But just, you know, and I had to give myself permission to do that. And so right. just to let go and, and to let others in. And I had to lean into that because that's not a natural thing that I do. But that slow lifting of letting go and letting loose and just letting it be. And then and just going through and letting it be and knowing that this too shall end and we will get through this. But in order to do that, I had to um, sort of give myself permission to not only lean in, but to open up and to let others in and to also to um, basically just slow down my my life because I go at a fast pace all the time. And it was a challenge just to not do and not do anything and not to have a structure and all of the, you know, the things happening and knowing what may happen next. And so I had to right. slow down and open right. up and just, you know, let lean into it and let loose. Um, but that was the biggest psychological because for me, it was almost like an oxymoron <laughs> and yeah. to right. um, have to, you know, give up and also, you know, uh, give at the same time. Um, Eureka, I don't know if you experienced this, but I certainly did. And it was um, that feeling of not wanting to inconvenience yes. others and that that feeling of, gosh, you're, you're going to be such a problem to other people. And the grace that we received Absolutely. from our teammates was just phenomenal. I mean, not one person made us feel like we were going to be an inconvenience mm. or a problem for them. And that in and of itself just made me feel even more comfortable and confident at the task at hand. I agree. I don't know if you would, if I you mean, agree. we had this beautiful group that where we were like the tail end coming up and they just these beautiful folks that just really cared. And I'm just, I can't breathe. And they would just slow down. Let's take a break. And, you know, and just showing you how to walk and how to lean in. And, and the guide was wonderful. And no one felt that we were an inconvenience. If anything else, they felt that it was almost their obligation to us. And again, for me, um, you know, and especially, you know, in, in women and in women in non-conventional positions and women when you're the few of them in your company, you don't lean on folks like that. And That's you right. have to be very cautious of who you let in and those type of things. So you're very self-sufficient and you're very capable and you always show up being in charge and being put together. And this, you had to strip that back. And I had to strip back layer by layer. And, and first of it was, you know, you have to, you're doing this dance. And I was doing this dance with all of these folks, especially the ones that were helping us up the mountains. And I'm doing a dance just to see, are they genuine? You know, are they really wanting to help me? Am I inconveniencing them? Am I holding up, you know, because everybody's at the summit already and we're not. And so it was this, it was this dance where, it, you know, what really was uh, very sort of just profound and, and eye-opening was that we weren't stepping on each other's toes when we were doing this dance, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, we were in sync, that they were there to help. Um, and it was just a beautiful thing, because I think that uh, unless we, unless for me, if I didn't have that team and that team just leaning in with me and um, pulling me along, um, I probably wouldn't have made it. I probably had, would have taken the option that was posed earlier at the camp mm. that if you want to take a chair and sit down <laughs> and we'll meet you on the way down. I, I thought that I would take that option. And I thought going into it that I would probably at some point stop and just, you know, wait it out. But um, fortunately, we all made it up. 
And it was just only with the pull and push and help from each other. so many metaphors in that, right? Just about how we show up in life, having grace for each other, you know, not rushing to be the first, but as you said, Eureka, in the beginning here in your introduction, right? Serving the the least of these or the people that are, are struggling or, you know, how do, how do you feel you can take those lessons and bring them into leadership day to day and in your real life? Do you have some reflections on that? Fear of in the stories that you tell yourself about um, your inabilities and someone else's, how they are thinking are so far off from reality that um, you really have to stop listening to yourself so much all the time, especially that negative voice around what, you know, around what those stories are that you're conveying to yourself, Mm -hmm. because more than not one person ever said, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to be here for you. I'm not going to be there to support you. Not one person ever said that, but yet and still in my head, I was like, no, no one's going to want to do this, you know? And so, um, you know, what I learned, you know, I think a couple of things, if I think about what I learned about myself, it's, it's resiliency, right? It's resiliency. And I am the only one in my way. No one else is mm. in my way. And so when it comes to things that I can do for myself, um, just get out of my way. The other thing that I really discovered about myself is I actually like nature. I like every day. And I kid you not, every day I have a beautiful backyard. I go and I sit in my backyard and I look at the birds and I and I make a point to do this every single day. And so um, the other thing that I found out is that, you know, People are kind. People are yeah. kind. And they want to help you. Um, I just can't reemphasize how caring um, this team was. Yeah. The fact that every single person who was on that wilderness trip played a part in the positive experience that I had. I mean, every single person. And I'll never forget that. You know, the quiet time, the one-on-one time, the group time. Um, it was all, it was all worth every minute of it. How about you, Eureka? You know what I, I think what I recognized, um, that has carried me and we all know with leadership and you're working as a team and you're collaborating and you're pulling each other along. And I think that when I remember that the game changed, uh, and so when I remember that, you know, um, you know, we are supposed to work together and uh, pull each other along. And not only that, but to be that team and be responsible and accountable to each other, the game changed. And so for me, going from the uh, wilderness into my leadership, you know, and, and the folks that along the way with the, well, with the wilderness, you know, they helped unlock, you know, 
our natural uh, potential. We have this potential already. And so right. they helped unlock that natural potential by, you know, showing us that you can do this and showing us our greatness and trying to get it done. And so I remember that when I'm working with my team is that my charge is to help unlock their natural potentials and to help folks, you know, really, um, you know, follow, not only follow, and in me being a leader, having being persuasive enough and having a compelling um, story for them to follow, but also for me to follow others. And in the wilderness, I followed others. And that's very humbling as a leader to know when to follow others. Right. And so I think that's the most profound for me is not only as a leader, do you uh, want to have a compelling and persuasive argument that people follow you? But you also need to know uh, that you can be humble enough to father others. And I think they're great leaders uh, when they recognize that and when uh, they know that they can be a follower as well as a leader um, that really sort of resets and balances all that we do. Has this changed your relationship with the natural environment? Karen, <laughs> be well, honest. It, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it definitely has. Like I said, I like to spend more time in my backyard, just, you know, right. listening to the birds and listening to the trees most definitely. Um, I haven't done any, you know, six or eight mile hikes, but um, I have learned to to just kind of think about what's around me and slow down and appreciate um, just the little things. And I think, you know, Eureka mentioned this earlier, but we run at such a fast pace. We often don't take the time to yeah. slow down and appreciate not just not just the things that are around us, but the people that are around us, too. And so, um, you know, it, it's changed my it's changed my relationship with nature in that way, um, which I've, I've discovered that, you know, there's probably more hikes in the future, more long, you know, more long Yay. hikes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was a, it was a good experience for sure. Eureka, how about you? <laughs> uh, it has changed. And I think what, for me, it was a re-gifting and I think the wilderness mm. experience re-gifted me, uh, to my relationship with nature. And I have gone on some small, and there's a lot of hiking trails where I am and um, very short ones, but they're so serene and quiet. And I have gone to those on every, at least once a month, I'm trying to go and walk and, and hike on these trails. And now wherever I go, I'm looking for those trails. I'm asking friends, wow. where are these trails? You know, are there other trails that I can go see? And so I am starting to hike more and get outside more, but I'm also, you know, that forgotten self. I think I have found my forgotten gotten self. And so along these hikes by myself now, I am, you know, sort of, you know, revisiting who I am and reclaiming you know, who I am. 
And so those are great things. And I think that has come out of this wilderness experience. But just being in the quiet and in the nature, and like Karen said, in the breeze and, sm and smelling the air and looking at, you know, just the things that are going on around you in the quiet. You know, it's been pro profound for me, and I think it saddens me too, especially I saw it, you know, when we were in the wilderness, and I see it now along the hiking trails, is how nature has changed, you know, yeah. and just with the drought right. and the fires and and it sort of pains my heart because you know you you know you know what nature is like and the resilience of nature and the rebirthing every year but then you see all of the impact of you know us people and what we're doing right. to nature I've just loved hearing your stories and remembering those those moments in a wilderness uh with the two of you and and just being honored to be a witness to you know your your experience and I'd love to close just with with a question about, you know, bringing back to leadership, you know, what's your greatest calling as a leader and how are you emerging from, you know, the experience of the last six months? Um, do you have clarity and uh, and a kind of regrounding in your in your purpose, Karen? You know, I would probably summarize um you know, my my greatest calling as a leader, probably in this way. Um and that's probably to be faithful to my trade and my passions of removing barriers and making others feel like they belong. Um, at the end of the day, I feel like not only my life's purpose um, in what I do for my job as a chief diversity officer, but um, the reason that I'm here is to help people be better. Um, and to be able to remove those barriers. Um, and for me, at the end of the day, this this notion of belonging is where I want to spend my time and I want others spending their time to figure out what is it going to take for every single person to feel like they belong. And if I can continue doing that, then I will say that uh, I've done good for the world. And um, yeah. yeah. Eureka, how about you? You know, I think my highest calling is a servant leader and the servant leadership and giving of myself selflessly uh, to help others become their best person. And especially in the workplace, help folks get to where they want to be. And I go into these sort of unwritten contracts with my team to where uh, I give all. And I will give all, I will sponsor. And, and when I say sponsor, that's a little different than mentoring, but I will sponsor folks at places and spaces and tables that they don't ordinarily go. So their good works are always being showcased. Uh, but that contract we have is this reciprocity that then staff, you know, my, my leadership team, they give, you know, their best work. You know, they show up and they give their best work and they also, you know, give their best work at the highest level, you know, of whatever position they're in. So we have gotten into this, you know, reciprocity and we're pulling each other along. But that servant leadership is when you give selflessly and you give uh, without expecting anything in return. And then you and you just sort of see the good work. Gosh, class 42 is so lucky to have you both as a part of it. And I'm honored to know you both. So thank you so much for sharing your stories today. Thank you.
ALF joins and strengthens diverse leaders, creating and supporting networks for good. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and encourage you to subscribe to The Dialogue on iTunes or SoundCloud. To learn more about ALF, visit us online at alfsv.org. This podcast was made possible by the ALF Silicon Valley Network. With a special thanks to our Leadership Circle members and the 2023 Exemplary Leadership Celebration Premier Sponsors. Thank you.